Hi, I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, episode 242. I think I may have thrown the release schedule off with last week's early episode, so hopefully this one doesn't seem late in comparison. Uh, but I'm here now, and I guess that's what counts. Uh, before we start, I'd like to give a shout-out to friend and listener Joe Pugsley. He's a member of the band Voice of Doom. I've played their music on the show a couple of times in the past. A great band, kind of in the vein of the Misfits. I befriended a couple of guys in the band through the show. But Joe also has another project called The 65s. He sent me a link to their Bandcamp page, and I was really digging their music. At some point, I plan on playing one of their tunes on the show, but for now, I want to at least give them a shout-out. So if you're interested, you can look for them on Bandcamp. Uh, just look for the 6565-S, and I believe their label is Peric Victory Recording, so you can try to look them up that way as well. All right, what else? Oh yeah, brief word on Patreon. I may temporarily put the Patreon bonus show on hold. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be getting much, if any, traffic, and I haven't really gotten any feedback on it. Well, that's not entirely true. I have received some positive feedback to the free preview episode. People especially seem to have appreciated the music of Marie Sue, which I played on the uh, last bonus show episode. I don't have her permission to be playing uh, her stuff, but hopefully if she gets wind of it, she doesn't mind. Uh, I'm a big fan and hopefully I'm helping to spread the word. I've actually spoken with her a couple of times via her Facebook page. But anyway, back to Patreon. I'm still really grateful to all of you Patreon supporters. The monthly sum I make through Patreon every month might be modest, somewhere in the ballpark of 20 bucks, I think. But as I've said in the past, it's enough to cover the monthly cost of hosting the feed for this show. Maybe I'll just go back to releasing occasional bonus content, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to put time and effort into doing a whole second show every week if no one's listening. But uh, that being said, if even one or two of you Patreon supporters tell me you were actually digging the bonus show, that would be enough for me to resume making episodes. But until then, I'll just focus on the main show for now. All right, but enough house cleaning onto the meat of the show. So this is a topic I've wanted to cover on the show for a while now. Eternal recurrence, also known as eternal return. It's something I first learned about through reading Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, tomato, tomato. And you know, this might be a relatively short episode, so why not pad it with some personal anecdotes? So you guys who are regular listeners are probably well aware that I'm a huge fan of The Doors. When I was in middle school, I think it was, I read a biography of Jim Morrison entitled No One Here Gets Out Alive. It was co-authored by Danny Sugarman. And uh, I think Jerry Hopkins was the other uh, author. Um, but Sugarman was a kid who Jim Morrison had taken under his wing. Morrison had encouraged Sugarman to pursue a writing career. And on a side note, Sugarman wrote another great book called Wonderland Avenue, an autobiographical work that spans the time from his meeting and experiences with Jim Morrison up to his struggles with heroin post-Morrison's death. Definitely a great read. But No One Here Gets Out Alive had a huge impact on me. I ended up reading it several times. 
A thread throughout the book was how intellectual and literate Jim Morrison was. I remember wanting to read everything he read. In fact, I found out about a lot of my favorite authors and poets by reading that book as a kid. People like Blake, Huxley, Jack Kerouac, Rimbaud, uh, Baudelaire, and of course Nietzsche. And for most of my scholastic career, probably up until the time I decided to start attending college, I was just a horrible student, had no interest in school, had trouble paying attention, and I tended to daydream. And yet there I was, middle school slash early high school age, reading Greek philosophy and stuff like Kerouac and Huxley on my own. So yeah, to reiterate, I first learned about Nietzsche or Nietzsche from reading that book. But I probably didn't really start seriously reading Nietzsche until my late teens or early 20s. I had this friend, uh, I guess technically we're still friends, even though we haven't hung out in years, uh, named Ben Ray. Not sure if he wants to be named, but uh, what the hell, I'm not going to say anything bad. Uh, ben was this big, tall kid, played on the high school football team, but also a deeply contemplative and intelligent guy. We hung out a lot in our late teens into our mid to maybe late 20s. Um, ben liked philosophy in the doors, too, and we used to talk about Nietzsche a lot. I think the first Nietzsche book I ever read was The Birth of Tragedy. It's a pretty slim volume. It uh, deals with art, the concept of the Dionysian versus the Apollonian, etc. Then I think it was Thus Spake Zarathustra, uh, Ecce Homo, uh, don't laugh, um, I read a good deal of the posthumous Will to Power. I still flip through the Will to Power to this day, seeing if I can randomly land on something thought-provoking or inspiring. So anyway, uh, I had always found Nietzsche's focus on this idea of eternal recurrence to be somewhat strange. I guess it didn't really seem to jive with my image of him as this bold, atheistic philosopher. Uh, well, it's often assumed that Nietzsche was an atheist, but was he technically? I'm, I'm not sure. But for all intents and purposes, it's probably safe to label him as such. He, of course, famously spoke of the death of God, referenced evolution and man's descent from apes. I believe it was influenced by Darwin. They were both active during the 19th century. And he often criticized Christian morality as being weak or conducive to a kind of herd mentality. And actually, here's an excerpt from a letter he wrote to his devout sister, uh, Elizabeth. And he writes, Hence the ways of men part. If you wish to strive for peace of soul and pleasure, then believe. If you wish to be a devotee of truth, then inquire. But anyway, I always thought his emphasis on the subject or idea was a little weird. I was like, really? You believe everything in the universe, including individual lives and experiences, occur over and over again cyclically? And I wondered where this seemingly metaphysical belief came from and what exactly drew Nietzsche to it. In fairness, uh, some posit that eternal recurrence could occur without there being any metaphysical or airy-fairy aspect to it. The idea being that given a virtually infinite universe and an endless stretch of time, uh, that eventually everything that ever has been will occur again, including just about every possible variation or permutation as well. For some reason, I'm still extremely skeptical, and even if it were the case, and maybe it is, any uh, mathematicians or philosophers out there, uh, I actually did read up a bit on the, um, the underlying cosmological ideas behind this, and I'll talk about that later on. 
But even if probability uh, does dictate that everything will eventually occur again, giving enough time, I mean, the universe isn't necessarily eternal, right? There's the concept of the big crunch and all that. Well, I guess then you could move to a multiverse model and argue then there would be even more of a likelihood of recurrence. Um, but actually, now that I think of it, uh, I think some cosmologists or physicists posit that a big crunch could be followed by another big bang, Um but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that all the same forms will eventually rise again, though. Or does it? But even if given enough time, something eventually arose with the same arrangement of molecules as me, it might have the same composition, but it wouldn't be me, in my opinion, especially if you believe, like I tend to, uh, that consciousness is most likely an emergent property of the brain. In my opinion, it would probably be, at best, the equivalent of some kind of clone, but my original consciousness would probably be long annihilated and I would have no idea of this weird doppelganger's existence. Kind of reminds me of that whole uploading consciousness thing. If it's just a copy and not me, what do I care? It might make for good science fiction, but it's a poor excuse for immortality. And I forgot to mention something. I believe in fairness to Nietzsche, the first time he mentions eternal recurrence is in the gay science. Once again, don't laugh. And I think in there, if memory serves me right, it's posed as more of a possibility or question rather than uh, outright advocacy of the concept. But anyway, eternal recurrence or eternal return isn't a new idea. Quite the contrary, it's a concept that in one form or another can be traced as far back as ancient Egypt and India. In fact, I remember early on in the history of the podcast, I did an episode on Alan Watts, a really fascinating guy who is at least partly responsible, so they say, for popularizing Eastern philosophy in the West. I think the first book I ever read of his was The Way of Zen back in my late teens or early 20s. There's a lot of great Alan Watts lectures on YouTube, and in one of them, he discusses the cyclical nature of time in Hinduism, and I believe these cycles are broken into units of measurement referred to as kalpas, each one being roughly four billion years and some change, I think. Uh, if I remember correctly, it has something to do with the cycles of dreaming and waking of, of uh, Brahman. And there's a few different words that sound similar in Hinduism that are easily confused. There's Brahmin, ending in I-N, which is a member of the priestly caste. Then there's Brahma, the deity in the Hindu Trimurti who represents creation. The other two deities being Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer. Now I have become death, the destroyer of worlds. Wasn't that... Uh, wasn't it Oppenheimer who said that, referring to the creation of the atomic bomb? I believe it's a quote from the uh, Bhagavad Gita. Then you have Brahman, ending with A-N, kind of a personification, in a way, of the ground of all being, kind of ultimate reality, this consciousness that pervades everything. So kind of an impersonal god, but sometimes spoken of as if a personal deity in a way, described as dreaming or waking or acting, and in Hindu thought, we're all manifestations of Brahman. We are all masks of God in a sense. God at play, God as actor, temporarily donning the guise of an individual, or some such. I'm tempted to go off on a whole tangent, but I'll rein myself in. Once again, non-believer and skeptic, I just have a long-standing fascination with Eastern religion and philosophy.
But back to eternal recurrence. Certain ancient Greek philosophers, such as Empedocles and Zeno, also spoke of eternal return. In fact, in Stoicism, there was the concept of ekporosis. <clears throat> Sounds like a disease. I'm probably butchering that. Um, this kind of periodic destruction of the cosmos followed by a period of renewal known as palingenesis. Now, from what I read while researching this episode, I believe the concept fell out of popularity or favor to some degree with the rise of Christianity. Interest in it seems to pick back up during the Renaissance, especially among alchemists. In fact, the alchemical symbol known as the Ouroboros, a circular image of a snake eating its own tail, supposedly represents eternal return. I've long been fascinated by the Ouroboros, never thought I'd have an excuse to talk about it on the show. And just to note, um, the Ouroboros, perhaps the uh, drinking game word of the week, wasn't something created during the Renaissance. I believe it goes all the way back to ancient Egypt, and I know it also shows up in ancient Greek magic and in Gnostic symbolism as well. As I said earlier, Nietzsche discussed the idea in his book The Gay Science, and then also in Thus Spoke or Thus Spake Zarathustra, and a posthumous work was published in 2007 entitled Notes on the Eternal Recurrence, and maybe I'll read an excerpt now. Let me tell thee something of the thought which has suddenly risen before me like a star which would fain shed down its rays upon thee and everyone as befits the nature of light. Fellow man, your whole life, like a sand glass, will always be reversed and will ever run out again. A long minute of time will elapse until all those conditions out of which you were evolved return in the wheel of the cosmic process, and then you will find every pain and every pleasure, every friend and every enemy, every hope and every error, every blade of grass and every ray of sunshine once more in the whole fabric of things which make up your life. This ring in which you are but a grain will glitter afresh forever, and in every one of these cycles of human life there will be one hour where, for the first time one man and then many, will perceive the mighty thought of the eternal recurrence of all things, and for mankind this is always the hour of noon. And I think other relatively modern Western philosophers also address the concept of eternal return. Among them, Soren Kierkegaard, Arthur Schopenhauer, uh, who influenced Nietzsche, although I think Nietzsche was also critical of him at times as well, and also Albert Camus. And earlier in the show, I was asking whether or not the math, etc., suggests that eternal recurrence is possible. And uh, as I mentioned, I was reading up on it recently, and like I was saying, there's this idea that another Big Bang will follow the theoretical Big Crunch, and cosmologists, including Alexander Vilenkin and Max Tegmark, actually suggest that if space is infinite and there's only a finite number of possible configurations, that recurrence actually could be possible, or perhaps inevitable. It involves Heisenberg's uncertainty principle and reoccurring instances of Earth's Hubble volume. Uh, I am getting way out of my depth here. Uh, but like I was saying before, maybe it's just my nature, but I'm still a bit skeptical. And even if we do have... Um, doppelgangers throughout time and space, they would probably be just identical compositions, and I'm not sure it would matter in a sense in the end. It wouldn't be like our personal consciousness would get to live again in these facsimiles. At least I don't think so. Still a pretty wild idea, though. Uh, if there is another me out there, I hope he doesn't make my mistakes. But with that, I think I'm gonna call it quits. Thanks for listening, guys. 
So you guys know the drill, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash theweekanddoubt. And uh, you can support the show for as little as 99 cents a month. And uh, all right, until next week, brothers and sisters. <laughs>